This is the sermon podcast of St. John's Episcopal Church in Brooklyn, New York. They're primarily by me, the Reverend Ben DeHart, but you'll hear from some of my good friends as well. We at St. John's exist to proclaim the good news of the gospel. So if you like what you hear, we'd love it if you join us in person. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m., and our beautiful church, located in Park Slope, is easy to get to from all over the city. We hope you'll stop by soon. And now, the sermon. I'm going to begin with an article or a passage from an article that I just read this week by the novelist Paul Kingsnorth. It goes like this. Religion is not, as I once assumed, a set of beliefs to be adhered to or arguments to be made and defended. It is an experience to be immersed in. The orthopraxy reveals the orthodoxy. Fasting makes no sense until you fast. Praying is meaningless, even embarrassing, until you start to pray. If the Christian path is straight and narrow, we could do nothing but try to walk it, even if we keep falling off. God makes no sense until you start to talk to him. Then, strangely enough, all sorts of other things start to make sense too. It is hard, if not impossible, to explain, and yet it is the simplest thing in the world. An experience to be immersed in. God makes no sense until you start to talk to him. That was from the British periodical Unheard, and when I read that, it just struck me. I was struggling for this sermon because on the surface, it feels like a simple call from Jesus to Nathaniel, follow me. And then after a brief moment of doubt, Nathaniel throws in the towel of his doubts and says, you're the son of God, you're the Lord. And we're like, what the heck is going on here? Because I know for me, I don't go from doubts one second to the next proclaiming Jesus as Lord and throwing away all my doubts forever. So what is it that is going on in this passage? Well, before we get there, I want to start with, and the passage we just read kind of led into, do any of you remember the term that we learned in our Philosophy 101 classes, that term epistemology? Some of you are philosophers in this room, are way graduated from that, but others of us, our philosophy classes were not our favorite, and we need a refresher. Epistemology is the branch of philosophy that studies the nature, origin, and scope of knowledge. Now, if that doesn't make any sense to you at all, in other words, epistemology examines the question, how do we know what we know? How do you know what you know? And the passage that I just read from reminded me from those Philosophy 101 classes that age-old epistemological method made popular by both Augustine from way back in the 4th century and Anselm from the 12th century. Augustine and Anselm were the minds of their times and places. Yet even they, and yet even the best minds of our own time, realize at one point or another our limitations. I mean, how much knowledge can we possibly acquire? And even if 
you and I were to not be distracted by our phones or by our favorite Netflix series, if you and I were to spend our entire lives both reading and writing, we're left with the question, what if there is some knowledge out there, be it rational, be it scientific, be it experiential, that proves all that we thought we knew wrong? How do we know what we know? When you think about this long enough, it might lead you, as it has at times in my life led me, to give up the quest for knowledge altogether. I mean, if I'm not going to figure it all out, then why bother? But Anselm and Augustine, these great philosophical minds, who came to the end of their ropes and realized their limitations, did not give up hope. In an effort to resist cynicism, to take their limitations seriously, they came up with an epistemological method. Better said, more than a method, they come up with a posture. And their posture was, I believe in order to understand. Did you hear that? I believe in order to understand. Maybe you took more philosophy classes and you heard it put as the faith-seeking, understanding approach, not only to comprehending God, but all of reality, the cosmos included. I mean, if we can't know it all, and there are things that we can't possibly get at without some risk, without a leap of faith, whether it's in God the scientific method, or even that the cosmos makes any sense at all, we need some kind of posture. And Augustine's and Amselm's gift to you and me is that you and I need not despair. We need not become nihilist after realizing that the logic that upholds all that we hold dear is actually circular. You and I are invited to believe in order to understand, to have faith in order to know. Why do I begin with that? Well, as we just read in our gospel lesson, we see Nathaniel. Nathaniel is what we might call today a jaded academic. We see this person who has begun to resort to cynicism take a leap of faith. Not some fideism, but take a leap of belief in order to know. In this passage and in the verses just before it, we witness the calling of a few of Jesus' disciples. We see Andrew, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel leave everything that they had behind to follow the one whom John the Baptist called the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. Now, I had planned to focus on Simon Peter and Andrew as well, but I think I really just want to keep this compact. I really just want to keep this to 10 minutes because I think that's the only way that it's going to get in your mind and you're going to decide whether you want to take a, a leap of faith or not. But in today's text, Philip goes and tells Nathaniel about in his words, the one whom we found, whom Moses in the law and also prophets wrote about. 
this Jesus from Nazareth. Nathaniel, unlike Philip, unlike Andrew, is not so quick to follow. He too, like Philip and Andrew, has been waiting for the Messiah. But for him, he's skeptical. He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? And what he means by that is what I said at Christmas. Can anything good come from the backwoods of society? If something good were to come, it would come from Jerusalem. Or better yet, it would come from Rome. Nazareth? That's like saying the Messiah is going to come from West Virginia. And if you're from West Virginia, they'd say the same thing about New Jersey, where I'm from. So please don't take offense at that. But Nathaniel begins with this posture of resistance. And many scholars think that the reason why Philip points out that Moses in the law and the prophets write about Jesus is because he's appealing to Nathaniel's learned ways, to his scholarship. He can't just say, follow this one we're waiting for and you'll get excited about it like me, but consult your learning. Meet this guy. In fact, right after Nathaniel says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, this is probably a hoax. What does Philip do? He doesn't argue with him. All he does is say, well, come and see. Take a leap and know. And in that leap, from there on, he seeks in order to understand. Friends, I don't know why you're here this morning. Maybe you've been here for 35 years. Maybe it's your very first Sunday Maybe you are like Philip and you're just full of joy at the prospect of following your Lord. But I suspect that there are a whole lot of you who are a little bit more like Nathaniel. You're here and maybe you don't even know why. But I'm going to invite you to do what Nathaniel did. To have faith in order to know. To come and see. Not to throw out your mind. Not to resort to fideism. But just like with the scientific method just like with all of our reasoning that we suspect ends up being circular at its prepositions. I'm inviting you to take a step through the door, to as you follow, as you walk, for what you think you know to be reformed. Maybe to what you, who've been a Christian your whole life, what you think you know to be reshaped for faith that seeketh understanding does not stay stagnant. It matures. It grows. So friends, maybe you see yourself as Nathaniel. I invite you to take the leap. For when we take the leap, we are promised the same words that Nathaniel was given. You will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, which is the perfect text for epiphany. For when we take that leap, we begin to catch a glimpse of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. So now, if you're still here with me and you have decided not to leave those doors, let us move forward to communion where we will taste and see the glory of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.